Go with me to the book of Jeremiah, chapter number 29. Please remember, I know it's been mentioned a couple of times already in different, uh, for different reasons, but camp meeting is every night, Tuesday through Friday at 7 o'clock. It's going to be a great time on Tuesday night. Brother Kenneth Carpenter from Maryville, Tennessee is preaching. On Wednesday night, Brother David Poole from Manifest, Louisiana is preaching. On Thursday night, I'll be preaching. And on Friday night, Bishop Wilson is preaching. We're celebrating the 70th anniversary of uh, the Mississippi District of the Assemblies of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, it was the first district formed in our organization. Uh, Bishop J. Frank Wilson was the first general secretary. He filed with the Secretary of State of the state of Mississippi after they had their conference. And so this is the birthplace of the organization and the first camp meeting. And it was uh, 70 years ago. So we're going to celebrate that. And uh, I hope you'll come Tuesday and Wednesday, but I really hope you'll come Thursday for sure. But uh, amen. On Monday night, there's a banquet tomorrow night at Victory Church. If you've bought tickets for that, remember that at 7 o'clock. My wife told me right before service that, uh, that they, we need help in the cafeteria this week. And if you can help in the cafeteria, please be sure to see my wife this morning or this evening so they can get that schedule made. I was told just a few moments ago that uh, if you are, uh, are wanting to know when you're on the schedule to serve and, uh, and you're already volunteered, you can go to the Beth Church app. Uh, that's what they told me. I don't know how you find it on there. But, uh, but if you don't know, see Aaron Yates and he can help you. Amen. The book of Jeremiah, chapter number 29. Jeremiah chapter number 29, verse 11. If you found it, say praise the Lord. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you. You know, I think this is the second time in about a month I've used this text as a passage. And I just, just now remembered it. I guess God is trying to tell us something. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall you call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you, and ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. Let me read that same passage in the New Living Translation. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. Amen. You know, I always need you to pray for me when I preach. I really need you to pray for me today because I'm getting ready to make somebody mad. And the one I'm going to make mad is my youngest daughter. So if you know my youngest daughter, you know how bad I need prayer right now. 
I want to preach with the help of God on the subject titled, A Visit to Kate's Cafe. It'll take a little while for you to figure that one out, but, uh, but that's my title, A Visit to Kate's Cafe. Lord, I thank you for your goodness and your mercy and your grace. I pray, God, for your anointing on me to preach, anoint everyone that's gathered here, everyone that's watching online. God, I pray that the Holy Ghost would meet us and that you would confirm your word with signs following. I ask you, God, to give me grace to minister what you put on my heart today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Give the Lord a good hand clap of praise and you can be seated in the presence of the Lord. In the old days, and I guess I'm being a little nostalgic because, uh, because of the 70th anniversary of the church, or of the, uh, of the district. But in the old days, if you preached on sin, it moved people. The saint and the sinner both ran to the altar. Amen. I've preached to sinners before, and the people that, as far as I knew, were living right were the first ones to run to the altar. I preached about hell one time at a youth camp in Texas. Amen. I was preaching it as red hot as I could. And while I was preaching, young people literally ran to the altar, weeping and seeking God. Seems these days it's almost impossible to move people. Sin has people numb to the Word of God. Carnality has people numb to conviction. In our current culture, every kind of sin is applauded and encouraged by our society. In the Bible, God has done everything possible. He did everything possible for Old Testament Israel. He blessed them. He defended them. He fed them. He worked miracles for them. He provided for them. But it seemed like for some reason or another that they always had a tendency to wander away from God. The Bible calls it backsliding. One prophet was not quite as gentle with his words. He said they went a-whoring. And another prophet said they committed whoredom. Judges said they did evil that which they did evil in the sight of the Lord. And another, another writer said they did not that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Be that as it may, the Bible is clear and human history is clear that man has a tendency to walk away from God. Actions have consequences. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that will he also reap. Brothers and sisters, friends and guests, I must tell you today that sin brings judgment. It's a foundational biblical truth. The wages of sin is death. 
Lust, when it's conceived, brings forth sin. And sin, when it's finished, brings forth death. The Bible said the soul that sinneth, it shall surely die. Amen. Sin is a destroyer. Sin is a killer. Sin will bind and blind the heart and the soul of man. Amen. And so it was that sin brought judgment on the people of God. Part of this judgment upon Israel for their backsliding was that they were taken captive to live as slaves in Babylon. Grandparents and parents watched in sadness as their young men and young ladies were chained together and taken to Babylon to be used by that pagan people as servants in their homes and their temples. It was a bitter day when they saw that their sinful decisions had caused their own children to pay the highest price. The aged men sat in tears as Babylonian soldiers walked into the house of God and brought out the temples, the, the treasures from the temple of the Lord. The devil has millions and billions of people worshiping his idols. Millions in false doctrine and perversion and sin. It seems as if the devil would own enough of this world. But it's not enough for him. He has the sinner's home. But he wants your home too. He has the sinner's kids. But he wants your kids too. He has the sinner's marriages. But he wants your marriage. He has nations bound by idolatry and wickedness. But he wants your heart too. Sin is a destroyer. And make no mistake that God will eventually bring judgment on the sinner. Amen. Praise God. I remember, and I, I might have told this story recently. I remember visiting uh, the church in Indianapolis, Indiana, where Bishop G.T. Haywood used to pastor. And uh, over the years, they've had great men of God pastor that assembly. It is an old, old church. Bishop Haywood was the pastor at the turn of the 1900, into the 1900s. And he was a great apostolic preacher anointed by God. And several years ago, I was preaching a conference in Indianapolis and I got there early enough and I wanted to go by that old church and see where the bishop had preached in in that building. And so when I went in, they were doing a remodel. And so I found the office and, and the, the lady in the office, they had set up a museum so you could go in this room and it had pictures of Bishop Haywood in the, in the Fall Creek, that river that runs through the city of Indianapolis, baptizing his whole congregation in Jesus name after they received the revelation of one God in Christ. And they had all these old pictures and then there was an old, old man at that time. He was into his 90s. And this was, this was quite some time ago when I was there. And this old man came in and he asked me who I was. And, and, and I told him who I was. And he said, he made it clear. He said, you know what? He said, uh, he said, I grew up in Vicksburg, Tennessee or Vicksburg, Mississippi as a little boy. 
He said, and my parents moved to Indianapolis for work. And he said, uh, when I was a little bitty boy, he said, I remember Bishop Haywood preaching. He took me to the spot in the building. Now it was a side entrance, but, but at that time it was, uh, it, when it was the platform and he took me to a space and he let me stand just inside of a set of double doors. He said, this was the spot that Bishop Haywood used to preach from. He said, I remember as a little bitty boy, he said, when the bishop would preach, he said, pastor, he said, there was always running in the church when the bishop would preach. He said, sinners would either run to the altar or they'd run out the back door, but they couldn't stand it in the presence of the Lord. But now you can preach sin and people just yawn and stare at you. It doesn't move people anymore, but consequences come with actions. Amen. I'm telling you, sin brings judgment on people's lives. Sin is a destroyer. Sin will take an otherwise happy marriage and it'll turn it inside out and upside down. He'll take a young person that was raised in a pew to worship God and by the time he's drunk them out, they're addicted and down and broken. Sin is a destroyer. The Babylonian exile was the direct result of God calling the Babylonians to judge His people. God knew that Israel was in the mess they were in because of their own sin. God knew they were in captivity because of their own actions. Have you ever known anybody that sinned and got their life messed up and then blamed God for it? Amen. Jeremiah 25 and 4. And the Lord hath sent unto you. This is what God, this is what God was telling Israel. The Lord hath sent unto you all his servants, the prophets, rising early and sending them. But you have not hearkened nor inclined your ear to hear. He said, I sent prophets to tell you about your sin. He said, but you wouldn't listen. You wouldn't incline your ear. You didn't have time to listen to the preacher when he preached against sin and he warned you what was coming on your life if you didn't turn around. Look at verse 5. They said, turn ye again now, everyone from his evil way and from the evil of your doings and dwell in the land that the Lord hath given unto you and to your fathers forever. Turn away from your sin. Turn away from your wickedness. Turn away from the stuff you've been doing and live for God. Go not after other gods. Verse 6. Go not after other gods and serve them and worship them. Provoke me not to anger with the work of your hands and I will do you no hurt. He said if you'll repent, you can make it. If you'll repent, you can get away from judgment. If you'll repent, you won't have to have the enemy come, but they would not hear. I've come to tell somebody God was giving them a space of mercy and grace. He was giving them an opportunity to save their family and save their life, but they wouldn't hear. It's a terrible thing for people to come to church time at the time and hear the word of God and not listen to what it's saying. Can I tell you, it's a tragedy for anyone to be lost. 
It's a tragedy for anyone to be lost. It's a tragedy for the worst sinner there's ever been in the world to go to hell. Hell's so bad that we shouldn't want anybody to go there. But a greater tragedy than a sinner that's never been in the house of God. A greater tragedy than that is somebody that sits on a pew service after service. But won't change their lifestyle. But won't live for God. And won't be faithful. And won't turn. God is sending a preacher to you today to tell you it's time to turn. I wish somebody would help me pray right now. Hey, somebody's life can be eternally turned around today. You don't have to be bound by sin. Your family doesn't have to be destroyed by this world. You don't have to be bound by drugs and alcohol addiction. You don't have to be you don't have to be bound by pornography addiction. You don't have to you don't have to be lost. You don't have to go to hell. There's hope. You can repent today. And God said, God said, I will do you no hurt. God is extending his hand of grace to somebody. God's extending his mercy. He knows whatever you've done. I can make it right today. Whatever you've been through, it can be wiped away today. It's a great opportunity for somebody. Oh, I think somebody ought to just thank God that He's a God of mercy. In Jeremiah 25, He said, This is your fault. I sent prophets to you. He said, I got them to rise early. I sent them. You wouldn't listen. They told you to turn and you wouldn't turn. They told you not to serve other gods and you wouldn't listen. God said in Jeremiah 25, I'm sending the enemy to put you in bondage. And maybe because of that bondage, you'll cry unto me. And so came the Babylonian army. And they enslaved the children of Israel. If you want to read heart-rending verses of Scripture, read about the elders that wept when they saw the treasures of the house of God carried out. Read about the moms and dads that watched their children be taken into bondage in Babylon, wondering if they'd ever see them again. And it was in the middle of all that. Everybody, I want you to say they were there. By their own fault. God said, I sent you the prophets and you wouldn't listen. God said, I sent you a man of God and you wouldn't turn. I told you not to serve those idols, but you wouldn't listen to me. And in the middle of all that, now they're in bondage. And God shows up again in Jeremiah 29 and 11. But he doesn't show up to say, see, I told you so. I told you what was going to happen. He didn't show up to glow over them and remind them. I warned you. Here's what he said. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. God wasn't sitting in heaven saying, I told you I was going to get you. I told you. No, no. He said, even in the middle of all this mess, I'm still hoping the best for you. I'm still believing the best for you. I know you're in jail by your own actions. I know you're in bondage by your own actions. But I'm still thinking good thoughts towards you. Oh, I wish somebody would praise him right. Hey, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. 
Let me tell you, it doesn't matter how messed up you are. God's not sitting in heaven saying, I'm going to get you. You deserve. No, no. God's sitting in heaven right now. He said, I got good thoughts for you. I got plans for you. I want you to make it. Jesus, there's a lot of backsliders out of this church that are out in the world and they're bound by dope and they're bound by sin and they're bound by bitterness and they're bound by this world. But God's not sitting in heaven saying they're getting what they deserve. God's sitting in heaven and says, I'm still thinking good thoughts about you. It's a trick of the devil to make you sit around and think that God doesn't love you anymore and that God is mad at you and you deserve what you get. That's not what God's doing. In chapter 25, he said, this is your fault. But in 29, he still said, I still think the best about you. Let me tell somebody, you may be messed up right now. You may be broken right now. You may have been the worst sinner yesterday that there's ever been. But this morning, God is saying, I have good plans. I've got good plans for you. God is against sin. I'm against sin. The church is against sin. But God loves sinners. And I love sinners. And the church better loves sinners. When a backslider or a sinner comes into this church, they shouldn't catch sideways glances like, where have you been? What you been up to? It ought to be open arms saying, we've been thinking about you. We've had good thoughts about you. I don't want God to break somebody. I want God to restore somebody. Hey, I believe God is in this place to let somebody know, no matter how broken you are. I know the thoughts I think towards you. You see, when you're in bondage, you know you deserve it. When your life is messed up, you know. And so the devil uses condemnation to keep you in bondage. And Israel was in Babylon thinking God's forgotten about us. God's mad at us. God doesn't care about us anymore. God knows we deserve to be in this bondage. God knows we've messed up enough to deserve this. And I know that somewhere out there, God's probably thinking about how bad we are and how much we deserve it. And God interrupted all that imagination. And he said, no, you don't have the right to tell me what I think about you. What I think about you are thoughts of good and not of evil. Let me tell you, you know you're a sinner, but God's not looking to pounce on you for your sin. God says, I still got a plan. If you'll give to, if you'll give it to me, if you'll yield to me I'll turn your there's nobody too far gone for the grace of God why don't you lift your hands I feel like I'm I feel like I'm in a spiritual war for somebody's soul right now somebody is walking under so much condemnation self-condemnation the devils put them under condemnation that they feel like they're so useless and dirty and no good that there's no way God would ever want them back. They feel like that they shouldn't even be sitting in a church right now because they're so dirty and messed up. 
But let me tell you, sir, you don't have the right to tell God what to think about you. He said, I'm thinking about you and it's thoughts of peace. I want to give you peace. I want to restore you. I want to give you joy. I don't want you to be miserable and bound. Oh, Jesus. Oh, God, I feel it right now. The Holy Ghost is trying to penetrate layers of condemnation and self-hatred. Let me tell every backslider that's watching online right now. Let me tell everybody that's watching online and you think this church doesn't want you here. That's a lie from the devil. We want you here more than we want anything else. We'd rather have you here more than we'd rather have anything else. This church is here for you. This church exists for you. This church wants you. Don't let the devil tell you that he's that we're sitting around thinking you deserve what you, We don't think that way. Hallelujah. I, I can't help but feel like somewhere out there somebody is talking to God right now. The devil had convinced you that there's not a place for you in the house of God. He convinced you that it's too far gone, too much under the bridge, too broken. And God says, no, I've been thinking about you this whole time. And the whole time you've been thinking bad about yourself, I've been thinking thoughts of peace about you. Jesus said in Luke 5, 31, the whole, they that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. He said, I didn't come for the people that have it all together. I've come for the people that are broken and wounded. I've come for the people that are messed up. I've come to, for the people that need a physician. 1 Timothy 1 and 5, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. He said, here is a faithful saying. In other words, this saying will be true in five minutes and five years and 500 years. And everybody needs to accept what's getting ready to say. There's nobody in this church that has a right to negate or void this last half of this verse. Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He came to save sinners. He did not come for the whole. He did not come for the one that has it all together. He did not come just for the person that didn't have problems. He came for sinners. If you've got sin, he came for you. Amen. You've been wondering, you've been wondering about this title of visit to Kate's Cafe. In April of 2017, when she was seven, six or seven years old, my youngest daughter, Kate, decided she was opening a restaurant. She called it Kate's Cafe. She made a menu. Her menu hung on our refrigerator for months. I hope we still have it. I hope we still have it. I know I'm glad I took a picture of it. Kate's Cafe. Check this out. Thank you, Brother Travis. All the fabulous things. Uh-huh. Oh. Oh, there it is. 
filled with some uh, you can't really just see it. Anyway, it works. It's just you can't see it on that black screen. It says Kate's Cafe, L-A-C-H, lunch. B-R-E-K-F-I-S-T, breakfast. Dinner, D-I-N-A-R-E. That's not an eight. That's a backward and sign. At the top, appetizers, A-P-P-A-T-I-S-E-R apostrophe S. Potato chips with no H. Oreos, now that's a good appetizer. Crackers. Put that on a cracker, dude. There's a YouTube chef. That's what he says all the time. Put that on a cracker, dude. He's from Louisiana, so that says it all. Cheese in crackers. Sides. Bread and cheese. Breakfast. Cereal. Smoothie. Muffins. Dinner. Meatloaf. That is not... Kids, PB and J, PB, macaroni and cheese. Lunch, PB and J, PB, quesadillas. I sat in my office. It's been years since I saw this. I sat in my office and I was trying to figure out what B R E T O E is. It's a burrito. Burrito. It's, a, it's like y'all have never been Mexican before. Macaroni and cheese. That looks like a J. It looks like she said jerks. But that's a D. It's drinks. It's OJ, water, keeper, milk, and cranberry juice. That's the menu for Kate's Cafe. Here are the facts. Kate was six or seven years old. It's obvious to us. You didn't laugh because she did so good. You laughed because she misspelled things. You laughed because you were trying to figure out what she meant by B-R-E-T-O-E, too. Anybody look at that and think, what's that? You were reading that before I got to it, weren't, it, weren't you? Because I turned around and saw it because I, I heard you giggling. She spelled a lot of words wrong. She sounded them out the best she could. But the menu's not perfect. When I saw that she had meatloaf for dinner, I knew it wasn't perfect. And don't tell me about your mama's meatloaf. I don't eat my mom's meatloaf, let alone yours. That menu didn't hang on our refrigerator so we could take Kate to the refrigerator, refrigerator every day and say, see how much you messed up? See how dumb you are? See how much of a wreck you made out of everything? That's not how you spell meatloaf. That's not how you spell quesadilla or burrito. That's not how you spell macaroni and cheese. She spelled cheese two different ways. C-H-E-S and C-H-E-S-E. -E. That's not how you spell cranberry. Drinks doesn't start with a J. We didn't take her up to the refrigerator and point out her mistakes every time.
that she came around so that she would feel dumb and ignorant. We put that on our refrigerator because we understood. And to you, it's a piece of paper, but to me, it's a sweet memory. We put it up there because it's a reminder that she's a little kid and she's going to make mistakes, and that's just the way it is. Let me tell you that God didn't bring you to his house today so he can point at all your mistakes and tell you how useless and worthless and no good you are. He brought you to his house because he's your dad and he loves you. And he wants to wrap his arms around you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'll tell you what happened. I came in yesterday. I'd been gone all week. I'd been away. I'd been up in New Hampshire. By the way, in New Hampshire, it's 75 degrees with 30% humidity. Praise the Lord. I've been up there all week. When I got in yesterday, everybody was gone shopping and doing whatever. And so later on in the day, I heard, I, I, I heard that uh, Ellie was in the, in the kitchen. I heard her opening the refrigerator and, and pushing stuff around. I was already in bed. It was already late. It was like 7 o'clock. And I called her. I called her into the room. You know why I called her into the room? Just because I wanted to see her. That was all I wanted. I didn't want anything. I didn't need her to smooth out my blankets or pick up my shoes. I didn't need her to bring me anything. I, didn't, I wasn't asking her to bring me a cup of water or anything. I just wanted to see her because I missed her and that's all. I, once she walked in, the, that was good enough for me. I just wanted to see her again. Let me tell you, God's just glad that you're here right now. God's glad that you're in his presence right now. God didn't come here to tell you how bad you are and how bad you messed up yesterday. He's here just because he wants you to know there's a seat for you at Kate's Cafe. There's a seat at the table. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to be the image of everything perfect. He's got a seat for you at the house of God. Oh, I wish somebody prayed. I'm trying my best to get somebody to move beyond your condemnation and understand that God just has thoughts of good for you. Hallelujah. You know what I've got in my desk? Brother Carson, I'm, I'm quite certain you probably had something very similar from all the years of pastoring that I'm getting ready to say. But I've got a, in, my, in, a, in my desk, there's a drawer. And in that drawer, I have Father's Day cards written by some of you that are teenagers now. S's are backward. One of them drew a picture of me. I sat there and I thought, dear God, if I look like that. And then I looked up and I thought it looks even worse. My feet were spread out like that and they looked like tennis balls on the end. My head looked like a beach ball. Somebody on this platform a few years ago sent me a picture of me leaning over and circled my bald head. I still have it on my phone because as far as I know, that's his first attempt ever at being funny. <laughs> it's the most serious dude you'll ever run into in your life. 
But in, in my drawer, I've got little handwritten notes from Molly when she was three, four, or five years, little drawings she would draw, and they would give them to me after church. I didn't just throw them away and wad them up and get rid of them. I've got a bunch of that in my, in my desk drawer. And every once in a while, I'll open that desk drawer, and I'll go back, and I'll look at those. At those I, no, I, didn't keep them because, I didn't keep them because it's a future Van Gogh. I didn't keep them because they're the next great artist that's come. More than likely, that's the best they'll ever do. But I kept it because there's relationship there. And I didn't expect it to be perfect. I expected them to act like kids. And just the fact that they took the time to make a little note for me. I'm going to get all kinds of notes now. And I want every one of them. Amen. But you understand my point? How many of you dads have, have little things that your kids did when they were little that from a per, from a art perspective it's not that good but because it's from them it means everything we all do it don't you think that our heavenly father who knows how to give good gifts do you think he's sitting in heaven saying you are so dirty and so messed up don't you ever come back no the greatest father there's ever been says i don't care how dirty you are you come back and i'll clean you up you come back and I'll wash you. You come back and I'll give you the best robe. I'll make, I'll restore you. It's a visit to Kate's Cafe. What I'm hoping is somebody today will make a trip to Kate's Cafe and let the Father, let the Father love you today. Stand with me this morning. Can you give me the menu? Okay, what are you thinking? What were you thinking? That's not how you spell. The only thing you spelled right was PB&J. Get out of here. You can't do better than that. Get out of here. We don't want you around. You don't mess up like that. What would you think of me as a father if I acted that way? What kind of respect would you have for me as a father if I treated my child that way? But then we think God is in heaven wanting to treat you that way? We could all use a visit to Kate's Cafe, couldn't we? It'd do us all some good to come and get a drink. And a meal at Kate's Cafe. Why don't you lift your hands all over? Because what I'm combating is what I feel is the greatest spirit of hell against the children of God. And that spirit of hell is the spirit of condemnation. You see, conviction is the spirit of God. And some of you are feeling it right now. It's that tug on your heart. It's that still small voice in your spirit saying, come home. Come home. Come home. It's the voice that the prodigal son heard when he was in the pig pen that said, there's bread in my father's house. Conviction is that little voice from God telling you, come back, I'm waiting for you. Come home. 
condemnation is that voice that says you're so dirty there's no way he'd want you you're so messed up you got so much work you'd have to do just to make it back don't embarrass don't don't embarrass your dad by coming to him that dirty that's condemnation that's the voice of hell that's the voice of the devil sent to keep you locked in your bondage Israel, you're captive in Babylon because you rejected the prophets. You're captive in Babylon because you wouldn't listen. You're captive in Babylon because you served false gods and you wouldn't turn. But God says, you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking good thoughts about you thinking thoughts of peace and not of evil. Almost every time when I preach about food, somebody comes up to me after church and says, you make me hungry. Invariably, somebody's going to come up to me after church and talk about, man, I, I think I want to get a piece of meatloaf. Right? You were thinking about it, weren't you? You know what I'm trying to do? I'm trying to get somebody hungry for the embrace of their father. And even though he knows you messed up, he knows you've made mistakes, he knows you've not been perfect, but still, reaches out when he knows everything's not perfect. Just reaches out. It's a visit to Kate's Cafe. Is anybody hungry for the presence of God right now? Is there anybody that's hungry for the goodness of God? As your eyes are closed all over this place, I'm going to ask you, if you will, just to humor me for a few more moments. I'm really and sincerely going to ask that no one else look around the room. It's just going to be me. If, if, if the only ones that will are the rebels and the, that rebel against what we ask, and you don't care what they think anyway. How many of you come in here today feeling the pain of condemnation? feeling not good enough, too messed up, too much. Come on, just raise your hands up high. I don't want nobody else looking around, but I see hands all over this place, all over this place. If God had a refrigerator, it would have something you made on it. If God had a refrigerator, it would have your picture on it. I wish somebody would step out from where they are and just come to Kate's Cafe today. Just bring your condemnation to the altar and just leave it. And why don't you just allow the good Lord to bless you today and give you some peace. Come on, the altar's open. The altar's open.
for anybody and everybody. God forbid that anybody in this place would try to stand back and figure out what they want or what they've done. This is just this is just going to be Kate's cafe today. Where the father knows you've made mistakes and the father knows you've had issues and the father knows you've done some stuff. But he doesn't throw you out and he doesn't kick you out and he doesn't eject you or reject you. But the loving father's here right now. Can you lift your voice and begin to pray? Oh, I feel the presence of the Lord here right now. I feel a restoring hand of God. I feel the restoring hand of a loving Father. Oh, God, I pray that somebody would find those thoughts of peace that you have for them. I rebuke condemnation. I rebuke the spirit of condemnation by the authority of the Word of God and by the power of the name of Jesus. I rebuke that crippling spirit of condemnation that tells people they're no good, they're not good enough, they've messed up, there's too much, too much mistakes, too many problems, too many things. I wish somebody would just pull up a chair at the table and let the Father put peace on you. Can you help me pray? Maybe you can find somebody to help me pray with this morning. Just to put a loving hand on somebody's shoulder and just let them know. You're not in this alone. You're not by yourself. We don't reject you just because you got issues. Oh, that's right. Minister one to another. Come on, the Holy Ghost is here. The presence of the Lord is here to help somebody right now. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. God, give us your grace. Lord, let somebody feel your thoughts of peace right now.
accident and um, I believe their oldest daughter is in the hospital right now and I, she's dealing with some some pain throughout her body and she's losing and losing feeling in her body and uh, becoming paralyzed so if we, if we could take that need unto the Lord right now because we know God is a healer today Lord we lift up the Bernathy family this morning Jesus God I pray that you would touch them and their oldest daughter today God and God that your healing hand would be on their situation Jesus God, we're believing in you to bring full and complete restoration in their minds and in their lives, Jesus. God, we pray, God, that paralyzed, Jesus, that paralyzation has to leave today, God. God, that all feeling would come back in the oldest daughter's body, Jesus. And God, that every wound and God, that every hurting would be restored, God, in their bodies today, Jesus. And God, that every single thing that's hurting in their mind and their bodies, God, would have to leave today, Jesus. And we're believing in your healing power today, Jesus. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you in advance for it, God. Let's clap our hands to the Lord one more time. You know, I once saw an interview, and they were interviewing one of the, one of the greatest track coaches of all time. And they began to ask him, how are, you, how, is you, how are you and your team so successful? And he told them, he, he said, one of the most surprising things I thought I'd ever heard from a track coach, he said, I teach all of, all of my team, I teach them to walk right before I teach them to run. And that's kind of, it kind of comes completely connected with what Pastor V spoke on this morning. We, we serve a God and we have a pastor that's concerned more about our process than our perfection. And I'm forever thankful for that. Can y'all give one more hand clap of praise today? Before we close out, I do want to mention one more time. I know, I know we've kind of saturated it this morning. Uh, let, let's, let's try to get some people connected and uh, get with Sister V and get everything aligned and prepared for camp meeting. And let's, let's have one of the best camp meetings we can, we can ever even think this year. But... With that being said, I appreciate all of you, and I hope to see you all tonight. God bless y'all. Y'all are dismissed in the name of Jesus.